Hey there, you're listening to Frequency Conversations, a podcast about the kingdom of God invading every space in every way. My name is Jeshua, I'm your host. As usual, I'm sitting down with Julian and Katia Adams. Today we're talking about finding your tribe. I love this episode. We dive into the Bible and learn lessons from Jesus and Paul about valuing relationships. We talk about how to find your tribe and why it's important. We talk about how to have relationships with non-Christians and a little bit about parenting out of core values. It's a really great episode. Let's dive in. Right. Um, good to be back here with Julian and Katia. Whoop, whoop. We have another exciting podcast for you guys. I'm excited. Um, today, we're going to be talking a little bit about family and community and the overarching theme of just finding your tribe um, and just see where that goes. Um, Fun. I, yeah, it's exciting. I know you guys oftentimes talk about um, what what a tribe looks like. And last year we did this really awesome event with Frequency, we called it The Stirring, where we just kind of invited a bunch of people to um, stay with us in a beach house um, up north of Durban where we were living in South Africa at the time. Um, and just spending a week together doing doing Kingdom and you guys uh, just really mentored, it was how many people? Like 30? Yeah, about, about 30, 30 people. people. You guys just kind of... It was so much fun. Yeah, it was really yeah. fun. Just a mentorship, equipping equipping time, but most of all, what everyone loved was how it felt like family. And so can you just quickly share what your heart behind that was and why you wanted to do that? Yeah. Um, shall I jump in first? Yes, love. Um, firstly, we wanted to name it The Stirring based on um, a verse that is one of my favorite verses and it's in one of Peter's letters and he talks about how um, he just considers it his role as long as he's alive to stir people up and I hmm. love that I, I think that's such a, a cool thing to be living for and so we thought it would be a great name the stirring a place where we could uh, stir one another up in the things of God stir yeah. one another up in loving Jesus and seeing him and sharpen each other and um, and do that around a table, do that around mm. food and fun and laughter. And I think sometimes we can get so intense with um, the Christian life and how we do it as if it's it's something that is formulaic or business-like. But then when I look at the life of Jesus, he was hanging out with his friends. And as they were hanging out, doing everyday life together, mm. he molded kingdom life into them. And so um, that was our heart really with the stirring was to um, create this environment that did feel like family where we were mm. uh, sleeping in the same house, waking up in the mornings, kids eating, lots of good food. eating yes, great food, food. <laughs> our kids <Highlight>. running around, <laughs> which created some level of chaos um but it was brilliant just normal life together but having a very intentional week at the same time where we um 
talked lots of incredible things around kingdom realities mm. and around um shaping our thinking around some scriptures um so it was it was fun to do it both and and i think that's true of most things in the christian life if we make it just kind of a theoretical theology it sucks all the fun out <laughs> and also if we just ignore the wonderful realities of the kingdom and just do food it also becomes a little bit dull but mix the two together and make it both and and there you have mm. a recipe for lots of fun i do need That's to good. interject here good food can never be dull <laughs> just putting out there <laughs> it's a sign yeah. of the kingdom isn't it absolutely <laughs> feasting is always a sign of the kingdom it's true it's true i take it back <laughs> I think for for us, joking aside, actually, I think that we forget that the Bible records the stories of people's lives together. Mm-hmm. And so I think of Jesus and the disciples and the larger group that just randomly traveled with him. They, they would have done life together. And we get you know, four Gospels, but there are three years of... Um, travel time and fights on the road and relational conflict and relational wholeness mm. and healing and food and I really love that. I love that Paul when he is talking throughout his letters about um what his apostolic sphere or his apostolic um mandate was all about it includes the names of people yes i, I often yeah. hear people talk about you know this next move of god is going to be a nameless faceless generation i i understand the sentiment but that's not true the bible records names it records yeah. people it records mm. lives and paul does so he records the list of people that he has great relationships with and the list of people that he is sad that he doesn't have good relationships with. Mm. And I think when you understand that, you understand that the culture of the kingdom is around family, it's around doing life together, it's around food, it's around talking and sharing life together, it's around being in context where you get to see the good, the bad, and the not-so-good-looking. And you still choose to prefer one another. You still choose to love one another. You still choose to say, I believe that what God's put in you is worth us tracking together to see it come Mm. to pass. And I I think that's the beauty of, I'm always fascinated by Jesus being able to hang out with someone who, as as his ministry began to get developed, clearly began to see that, A, he wasn't honest and that he would one day betray him. I, I think that's an amazing mm. Jesus treats Judas like anyone on his team. It's like, wow. I, I don't even, I don't think I've got to that place. Yeah, yeah. get but your head around that, that one. That, I'm, that. I'm not perfect like Jesus. However, it does <laughs> position us to say in every context, we need to be thinking better of each other yes. and thinking the best of each other yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. for the sake of kingdom because that's what it looks like. Hmm. And I, I think we can get so clinical about Christianity. So, uh, you know, Christianity cannot be lived at arm's length. That's, mm. It just doesn't work that way. The way God created for us to to be and to live 
is in community, is in genuine relationship with one another. And I think sometimes it's it's easier to preach at people than live with them. <laughs> and yep. um, I, and I just don't see that as being something Jesus did. He he chose to preach by living with people. And, and I think that's where really powerful stuff happens in the kingdom, where we choose mm. to open up our lives with one another, where we choose to say, come walk this journey with me, rather than I'm going to give you uh, the kind of 10 snapshots of my day that I've chosen to carefully mm. curate. But rather, no, we're yeah. saying come and live and learn together. And that's when we really uh, stir one another up, if mm. you like. Yeah, I, I think that, all the introverts are going, sweet Jesus, what? We have no. to hang out well, with everyone. Yeah. Well, here's, for the record, I'm an introvert. So I rest on my own. I love reading. I love quiet spaces. Uh, but community is important. And yeah. that's not a choice. That's not up for debate. That's the mm-hmm. way God wired us, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Anyway, sorry, I, yeah, love. I, I, I mean, you there. I think that when you read scripture, it talks about each joint supplying grace. Um, that it actually is about who you're connected to that releases grace for you. Yeah. And when wow. you understand that in community, you're connected into a context that then helps uh, release the very empowerment that you need to be who you are. Yeah. Uh, so that's why, that's why we believe in family. That's why we believe in connection. And I, I think this next season of genuine apostolic ministry will not be marked by who's the best leader over mm. the biggest amount of people in one big church or how many churches are planted or how many you know people are sent. I, I believe this next move of God in genuine apostolic ministry will be about who genuine um, apostles release to be sons and daughters because it seems yeah. to me that Paul's preoccupation around his apostolic ministry had less to do with mission and more to do with relationship, had less to do with wow. planting churches, uh, because it seems like sometimes it's a little bit unorganized in <laughs> in the book of Acts. It doesn't follow a strategic plan. I know there are lots of people that might disagree with me, but <laughs> the plain reading of Scripture seems to me that Paul sometimes did things as he was simply led or blown, uh, as it were, by the Spirit. But yeah. the one thing that you find throughout his letters are, are phrases like, my son, or, you know, this relationship or this um, one who, who now represents me, there was always connection. And I think this next season is going to be about an apostolic wineskin that doesn't gather people to a vision under a man or a woman that you now have to serve mm. in order to climb the ranks of influence, but actually around apostolic mothers and apostolic fathers who create a culture for family in which mm. every single member of their family thrives and finds their preferred future in God being wow. fulfilled. Um, and and that, that shifts the way we do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love Jesus' prayer he's, in John. He talks about how he's being faithful with the call and with those given to him. Hmm. That mm-hmm. there's something about, as a ministry, as a people, as leaders, that our aim is not simply to fulfill a mission, but being faithful with those who've been given to us. Yeah. Um, and, and there's something beautiful when we see that our primary call is through that rather than just what we achieve together. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's awesome. You guys, um, as a couple, I mean, obviously, 
you, you choose to invite people into that space of family. What do you look for in people? Like how, what kind of people, hmm. I know that sounds, it's not like you're picking and choosing people based on how they look, but, but what do you see a value in people that you want to bring in? Um, how do you, how do you find your tribe? I guess is a question I'm really trying to ask. Um, well, I, there definitely isn't a formula. It's not like we've got our spreadsheet with uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the totally. list of things. Um, do you know, I think, it, well, from my perspective, it's very simple. It's, it's a sense of uh, people who we click with, whatever that looks like. I mean, it, it really isn't... <laughs> I, I don't know if I can make it sound more spiritual, but I don't know <laughs> if it is very spiritual yeah, in inverted commas, you know? I think it's just very natural yeah. that you want to spend time with people who you click with, you have chemistry with, that bring you life, that aren't exhausting. That That is one of the big things that, um, honestly, I... I think about mm-hmm. um, because I'm human and I have limited capacity and yeah. we have two crazy toddlers at home and busy ministry running. So there, there's lots going on. And so one of the things that, uh, you know, I'm looking for in terms of family and tribe is people who are wanting to contribute to the whole together mm. rather than looking to me to contribute to everything. Um, Cause that just becomes exhausting and, yeah. and I, I'm going to disappoint on every level on that front. So really, I think that would be the biggest thing that I'm looking for in terms of who we're inviting in and and looking to do life with is uh, not perfect people, not super gifted people, although they might be and that's wonderful. Not, you know, there's no level on what people need to be except for people who are willing to contribute together um, into family because that's what family is, right? Mm. We all bring our different parts. Um, Julian and my family with our two children, we will each bring our different parts and the whole definition of us being a family is that we come together to form a whole. Uh, And so that's what I'm looking for in terms of people who we do life Mm with. I I think one of the things that we're trying to, live out and model is um, a, a core value heart culture hmm. that um, reveals something of kingdom life. And so when we're connecting with people in terms of our tribe, in terms of people who are run with us, we're looking for core value and core values uh, that, that click together, that work together. And core values don't mean uniformity. Uh, core values uh, actually like can be expressed in great diversity. So, for example, Katya and I, our personalities are completely different. Um, <laughs> and in many ways, on paper, might not look like they gel well together, but we fit together because our core values feed into how we um, live together, how we do life together. It's the same for our kids. Like we're starting to see their little personalities yeah. come out and they're completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our family is very diverse. Um, and, and I think what we're not looking for is everyone looking the same, dressing the same, having the same opinions. What we're looking for is uh, what are the core values that make you come alive? And how, mm. do we, how do we join that together so that we really spur one another on to run harder and faster in the purposes of yeah. God. And I guess underwriting all of this, and a non-negotiable would be a concept of honoring each person's value and each person's mm. contribution. Um, 
And that's both important and then natural for us as a family and recognizing uh, kind of God-given gifts on each person and and valuing that, celebrating that, yeah. not wanting to compete against each other on those things. But, you know, we're, we're teaching our two and three-year-old this all the time at the moment. It's, it's not a competition. You guys don't need to outdo each other, but rather you can celebrate uh, the other person's ability to do something. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that that's a non-negotiable, really, in terms of finding finding our tribe, finding family, and inviting people into family, is a recognition that each of us has has a different, unique, incredible thing given um, to us by Jesus, so that we can release that in the world. And we we want to celebrate that. We want to recognize the different giftings in people, and not feel compelled to somehow outdo one another. Yeah but rather recognizing um, that honor is a key value in families. Mm. Honor is a key value in the kingdom. And we get the privilege in family of seeing people up close, warts and all, and then saying, but I see this in you and it's so beautiful and celebrating that. And just by the way, honor isn't the same thing as flattery. So it's not about Mm, lying to one another just so (laughs) everyone feels that bit happier. Warm and fuzzy. Yeah, that's manipulative. But rather honor is about um, speaking truth, speaking the reality Mm. of the beauty that each person does have in our own ways um, and celebrating that. So I think that would be a a non-negotiable underwriting the whole thing for us. Yeah. I think the other thing that I really love uh, about how we do life, just naturally, is that we are passionate about fun and joy-filled living. Like, we just laugh so much. Yeah. Um, It's just part of who we are. You know, I grew up, as I've said before, in apartheid South Africa, and uh, the racial group that I come from are called uh, colored people which is not an offensive term in South Africa. It's a phrase for mixed race. Um, and one of the things that that marks um, colored people in South Africa is their sense of joy and, you know, crazy laughter because joy and laughter was one of the key values that got them through and got us through really difficult times. It's the same wow. in, my, in my own cultural dynamic and family. Joy um, was the key. That didn't mean we denied sadness. It didn't mean that we denied mm. The difficulties, it didn't even mean sometimes when people are struggling with depression that we denied that. It's just that we still, in the midst of all of that, chose to have fun, chose to enjoy each other, chose to laugh. Um, And and, um, as weird as this might sound, some of the moments of um, great um, sadness, particularly when people pass away, even in those moments, there was a glimmer, a expression of some kind of joy. Mm. And I think that joy is a big deal in the New Testament. And Very much so. Joy is the key to us staying strong. Yes. The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's because of joy, because of the confident expectation of God's goodness mm. in a joy-filled way that Jesus mm. endured the pain of the cross and so joy doesn't deny pain, it just simply redefines it. Hmm. Wow. And I think it's so important that we learn to redefine um, our circumstances through the lens of an eternal reality of God's goodness and joy in our lives. And I think yeah. we we love hanging out with people who know how to have a good 
belly laugh. <laughs> you know how true. to clap. <laughs> that is true. funny stuff. <laughs> you know how to, in the most honoring, fun-filled way, make light of ourselves and not take yeah. each other too seriously. Um, I think that's so important. I love in um, 2 Corinthians, I think it is, Paul is in this context in uh, Troas uh, where there's this amazing door of gospel effectiveness open. And the Bible says that his spirit was not at rest because Titus wasn't there. Mm. And he chose not to go through a door of opportunity <laughs> because his peace was being disturbed because the relationship wasn't there. I think that's such a powerful thing that, yeah. that Paul places emphasis on relationship above mission. We love yeah. mission. Wow. Like I want to mm. see the world saved. But even with the great urgency that the great apostle Paul lived around getting people saved and having gone through much suffering, he still chose relationship over the function. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, that's a big deal. Like We want joyful communities and we want to find our rest in those relationships. Yeah so that we can continue in the mission that God gives us. And that's a provocation for for us, isn't it, love? Because we, you know, in ministry, sometimes you can think ministry at any cost, um, (laughs) but we don't want to leave a war zone of broken relationships behind us because we've just plowed on despite kind of mowing people down. We're just keeping going. But actually, Mm. we feel like the best reflection and the best stewardship for us of what God has put in us is um, maintaining and stewarding beautiful relationships as together we bring the kingdom. Yeah. And so uh, that's a real challenge and provocation. Are we perfect at that? Absolutely not. But I think there is... um, there's a real desire in in both yeah. of us for sure to um to do all that God created us to do whilst being able to love people well and make people feel like they they belong rather than they're just cogs in the yeah. wheel um that we're using to further our mission and our mandate yeah how do you guys do relationship both on a personal level and in the church context, because that's where you come from, is church leadership oftentimes, um, with non-believers or people who would traditionally be considered on the outside. Oh. <sighs> well, this is easy for me. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. I think it's a great question, so you go for it. My yeah. best moment is having a glass of wine and talking to people about real stuff <laughs> and not caging it in religiosity and yes. weird... Yes. Christianese that make no sense to anyone else except yeah. people who were born in the 1980s and grew up in a weird Christian world. Um, no, we just want to be normal. Like, yeah. Kat and I have, we're just normal people who connect with people who don't need to use the word sanctification or the blood of Jesus <laughs> to get our point across. We, we're simply just being who we are. And I think, it, you know, if it's, I often I often say this like if 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 it's not um, simple and easy to grasp it's probably not spiritual. Um, <laughs> wow! Because we we have this kind of thing that spiritual realities are difficult, but it seems to me that that Jesus makes it really easy, so that little kids get in. The Bible says they get a, they get into the kingdom ahead of of others because the posture is one of curiosity and fascination. And I've found that people who are unchurched, um, very few of them are antagonistic towards God. 
They mm. might be frustrated with the church, but they do want a genuine spirituality. They do yeah, want to connect true. with someone who, who not just uh, knows about them, but who loves them. And I think for us, how we live overflows from that, where we're, we're building relationships. We, I feel like sometimes people are like car salesmen when it comes to evangelism. <laughs> that we want to get the deal closed to save them from pending hell. Um, I've learned that actually processing and taking time mm. and walking with people and letting them have a glimpse into our life and seeing who we are is often the most exciting way yes. of helping people discover who God yes. is. Because wow. uh, if it matters to you, it matters to God. And that's that's the bottom line for me. Like People are concerned about lots of little things and how we live showing how God is involved in our daily hmm. lives mm-hmm. and our, how we're raising our kids and how we're spending our money and <laughs> how we do integrity, all those things. Those things matter and people connect relationally to that and they can see the hand of God in it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have to say for my part, I, I love friendships with non-Christians. In, in some ways, it's less complicated <laughs> than friendships with Christians. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I Preach. say that is... Um, you can't expect the ungodly to have godly morality. Come on now. <laughs> and so friendship with non-Christians is really easy. And I've had this conversation where people are like, how, how can you be friends with a person who lives like that? And I find that so funny because if Jesus went by that school of thought, he would make friends with nobody <laughs> because everybody around him was not living in the way they should be in order to be Christians because they weren't Christians around him. So I I just find it a, an alien thought when I think about how God thinks for us to distance ourselves from non-believers because they're not achieving a level of morality. God didn't choose you or me because we achieved a level of morality. He chose Mm. us because he's kind. And I I love the unique privilege that we get in extending that kindness to non-Christians by loving them and being involved in their lives and not being the morality police around them. Listen, if we are fully ourselves in friendships with non-Christians, sooner or later they pick up on the standards we're living in without us having to preach those standards Mm -hmm. to them. And sooner or later, hunger is stirred in their hearts when they see that we're not living because we feel we need to tick boxes of Mm. religion, but because we feel like we've been shown such kindness by God. And so anyway, I I love it. I love friendships with non-Christians. I feel like it's um, one of those moments where uh, I can hear the heart of God in a really fresh way for someone who Mm. maybe hasn't encountered a hundred prophetic words before. uh, And it just feels like a a unique privileged position to get to walk with non-Christians. So, so for me, um, we, we love inviting non-Christians into our lives. Um, And really wherever, wherever we, uh, kind of set up new new bases and right now we're in a season of transition and looking to move and uh, I'm excited about our neighbors I'm excited about befriending people who don't know Jesus and yeah. getting to be Jesus to them that's a really really wonderful adventure. Kathy and I were at a party once um, <laughs> for very wealthy people it was kind of <laughs> cocktail party and uh, we were just enjoying the evening and a very wealthy banker began chatting with us and um, it, it was super funny. 
Um, I love Cacclia. Cacclia's a medical doctor, so she's quite brainy. Um, plus, she has the Holy Spirit, which makes her super, super, super intelligent. <laughs> but yeah. what I love is that very often in moments like that, where people are asking the hard questions, Cacclia bypasses the answer and goes for the heart. Um, <laughs> and, and so we are trying to understand something that most people aren't asking questions if they're looking for an answer. They're asking questions if they're looking for a connection. Yeah, um, And so, like, I, I just love this time where we're there all dressed up, fancy schmancy, in this amazing apartment with all these wealthy people. And this guy apparently is super non-emotional and quite standoffish, <laughs> is engaging with Katya. She's chatting, I'm chatting, I then drop in a few prophetic words without saying, thus saith the Lord. And this guy begins to well up with tears mm. as we're talking to him and he's being overwhelmed by the love of God in this context. He then gives Katya a hug, gives me a hug and... I am a great hugger. I love hugging people. <laughs> you are, it's true. <laughs> give, give her, give this guy a hug and just give him a little squeeze. And he stopped me and said, I don't always do this. In fact, I, I don't think I've ever done this, but please could I get another hug? Yeah. And I gave him another <laughs> hug. And so again, good. just cheers. So the reality is this man had not felt loved before. Oh. and not felt a sense of, uh, the kind of non-judgment that we were speaking to him. We weren't out to get him saved. Yeah. We were out to see him having an encounter with a very kind, mm-hmm. loving yes. dad. And um, conversations then began to open up for our friends with this uh, guy about God. And, and I just think, like, it makes sense to do it that way. It yes. makes sense that Jesus stops for the one and rather than simply go up to power, he's always revealing love. And it's Mm -hmm. in the revelation of love that the power display comes. And I think for for us, love is one of the most beautiful apologetics in the world. absolutely. If they want to know how to find Jesus, it's for people who genuinely love. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, I'd love to just, just to finish out, just to ask you guys more about family. We've talked about family as in, you know, your tribe that you've found and, and sought, but in your immediate family with the kids, how you guys do life, I I just think about, yeah, when you look at the Bible, it's really hard to find examples of perfect families, um, if there are any it's at all. they don't exist. Uh, and I think Hi, that's awesome. we're perfect. <laughs> so how do you guys, like, you know, I don't have, we don't have a ton of time. We, you could probably talk for ages on family, but what are some... What are some themes you guys are just going after in terms of core values with your your kids right now and your yourselves as a couple? Um, so we're very much learning learning some of this as we go. Um, any parent out there will tell you that it's you kind of make it up as you go along <laughs> and hope for a lot of wisdom and a lot of grace. I pray for grace for my children all of the time that they would have grace for my mistakes. Um, <laughs> but um one of the resources actually on the side that I'm finding really helpful is some of Brene Brown's teaching around this. And she does some stuff about in her book, uh, Daring Greatly, uh, around what it looks like to parent. And it's just helpful stuff. I think one of the things that um, we really want to fight for in our family is that everyone knows they belong regardless of what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 
that's not going to move. That's a goalpost that is set firmly. Um, and, and that's important for, for us in our marriage. It's important for our kids to understand that we're not asking for them to perform in order for them to belong. But mm. regardless of their choices, regardless of their uh, highest successes or lowest mistakes, they belong because they're part of this family and that's not going to change. Um, I think another thing that we we really fight for as a family is is to um, in moments of disagreement, moments of argument, try to go for the heart rather than the external action uh, mm. so that we don't parent um, in a way that's controlling or motivated by the fear of our children um, or trying to uh, instill fear in our children so that they will do what we want, but rather is a sense of wanting to help our kids want to do the right thing mm. and so trying to focus on their hearts focus on the reasoning for their behavior folk and this isn't easy because they're toddlers we've got a two-year-old and a three-year-old it's not like uh, this is a quick fix but this is something that we're really trying to journey into so that we're we're looking deeper than people's external actions because it's easy to control people it's easy to um parent in a way that controls the behavior of your children the question is have you won their hearts hmm. uh, and that's the big one for us and I, I mean another great resource that we know of Seth Dahl has written a book with um his wife and I know it's just got lots win, of win-win parenting. Win, win parenting got lots and lots of nuggets of of good stuff in there where um this is the conversation really not controlling behavior not looking to um make your kids afraid of your punishment and mm. in that getting them to behave in a certain way because yeah. really that doesn't equip them for the future that might make them behave in a way that's acceptable but it doesn't e equip them for kingdom living because kingdom living is all about your heart mm -hmm. and so look I I'm saying this as a very imperfect parent who you know if you'd seen me this morning you'd know that there's lots of stuff that isn't going perfectly but really I think that's the uh, that's the power of parents giving mm. their real stories. Yeah. I find so much life in friends who will open up the reality of their parenting and just say, it's not easy and it's not perfect, but it's worth fighting for. It's it's worth uh, taking the longer journey of discipline <laughs> and figuring out what's going on in the heart. Um, because it, as we journey in that, the potential is is just massive there's so much to gain if if we're willing to fight it out i mean i i think for me it's a little bit more um uh, yeah i think <laughs> we're three years in i think for me my priority would be around <laughs> um having fun <laughs> like i i grew up in a home where food and fun was synonymous um and where mum and dad would play sneaky tricks on us. We'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd laugh and we'd, you know, jump in the pool together and we'd, we'd do crazy things. And our kids are boisterous. They are loud. Mm -hmm. They are, uh, yes, they're just they are. hilarious. <laughs> they're wild. Our little boy, Zeke, right now is having to figure out what good humor is and what inappropriate humor <laughs> is. Um, but, you know, we, we, we really want to have a happy home. Yeah. Um, and I think for, for us, we love big. Our kids get smothered with lots of kisses and hugs. Yeah. Um, and they love giving kisses and hugs. Um, I, I think for us, the dynamic of the um, 
present moment and the tactility of love is so important for us. Um, and I think mm. that overarching all of the parenting techniques which we're learning with three and a half years in, don't have it down, um, posturing and making sure that our own hearts have dealt with our own kitty issues because none of our parents are perfect. Mm. And we we all have grown up in particular ways that mean that our knee-jerk reaction uh, could be not the best. Making sure that we're processing our inner world mm. regularly is really important. But over and above that, really working to guard time around fun and around time out. And we do ministry, so that means we are traveling with our kids yep. most of the time. And we are making sure that rewards are not based on whether they're good or bad, but on grace. Mm. We just want to bless our kids. Um, and there are consequences when they make unwise decisions, but that's less about being motivated to do with the reward and more to be about motivated about heart issues. Mm. And I think for us, this dynamic of fun, enjoying life, enjoying food, enjoying good times together, having laugh out loud moments, swinging around the room like crazy and having a messy lounge just because they're yeah. kids. It's okay. Not sweating all of the small stuff in order to connect to the heart is the big thing for us. Yeah. And actually, that's how we want to do family. That's how we want to find our tribe anyway. Not yeah. sweat the small stuff and find the heart stuff. Yeah. You guys are fun. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. I love that. Um, we love you, awesome. Josh. Any any more final thoughts on on just family, community, tribe stuff? I thought that was really valuable. Yes, there's never an excuse for a family meal that's not cooked well. <laughs> just <laughs> putting it out there. Julian is the most amazing cook I think I've ever met in my life. I'm going to do a and podcast on how to cook really we, well for we your family. We should do a whole podcast series on cooking well for your family. <laughs> I think I think that sounds great. One thing I would say, um, just to finish. <laughs> <laughs> my just wife's to, more spiritual than me. Just to... Uh, um, Finding family and finding your tribe isn't selfish. Mm. If you want to live a healthy um, kingdom life with longevity, with a sense of real purpose, and with the ability to hear God, you're going to need really good community around you. Mm. Because we hear God in community. We weigh the words of God in community. Yeah. That's what the Bible says in Corinthians. We um, To be stirred up, you need community. Iron sharpens iron, which means you need community. And so, you know, so, some people may have heard some of this stuff and just think, oh, it's a bit frivolous. I'm just going to get on with the task. The problem is you can't get on with the task without community, mm. without genuine relationship. Uh, you might be able to do it for a few months, maybe a couple of years, but you're going to burn out. You need family, real, authentic family mm. who see uh, everything who see the good, the bad, and the ugly, who can speak the truth to you and you'll listen to it and take it, um, and who you can speak the truth to, um, who will set pace for you when you're lagging and who mm -hmm. you can set pace for when they're lagging. All of that is really important for healthy longevity and kingdom life. I, I don't think there is any other way to do it. Well, that's a great final thought. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, guys. This has been great.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Frequency Conversations about how to find your tribe. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to rate us and review us in your podcast app. And of course, share it with your friends. If you want to hear some of the teachings from the stirring event that we held last year that we were talking about in today's podcast, go ahead and go over to our website and go to the store. We've got some of our recordings from there, including Katia's Everyday Jesus Bible Study, which is her uh, whole Bible study through the book of Ephesians. It's some really great content. Um, And some of our other content from the stirring is available as a part of our Frequency Partnership. If you click that button on our website at Frequency.org that says Partner With Us, you'll find out all about the partnership. It's really just a way for us to um, keep running. We need donations from people, but at the same time, we want to give back to those who are giving to us. So we offer all of our digital content, including the stuff from the stirring, as a free gift to you uh, if you partner with us on a monthly basis. We've also got that really cool ebook that's totally free called Seven Keys to Living Big. It includes a whole chapter on how to find your tribe. It's a really great resource uh, for those of you who are still getting to know frequency and what we're about. If you just head to our website and click the button that says Stop Living Small, you can sign up. You get the ebook for free and lots of other content. It's a really, really great resource. Thanks again for listening.